Hi guys and ladies, welcome back to another episode. This is episode number three of the podcast and we are continuing the way to share about how one can actually get into data analysis or data science career path. I'm just going to share as much as I know, we continue in the list from episode number two. If you couldn't get the chance to actually listen to episode number two, don't stress. I'll just do a quick recap of what we've spoken about in episode number two, so that in episode number three, we can get to finish up the list a little bit. But before we do that, let's start our discussion immediately after our theme song. Stay tuned. recently just had a chat with some friends and some colleagues, uh, former colleagues, on how we are doing injustice for not sharing the pathway to how one could actually break into data science. And without me speculating a lot, I think it has to do with, you know, us being ashamed of how did we get the analyst roles. We don't want to be transparent that at a time we were just appointed analysts because there was just nobody else to do the work because we have a little bit of information then we became whatever type of analyst we had become. We were given different titles and we ended up you know, being prestigious because of the information that we knew. And the fact that we started the database or we started the analysis, when the project started, it gave us an upper hand compared to even the person who comes in with the most knowledge, university degrees, you tell them Google certificates, they could not just replace the information that we had. And the length of time that we spent in organization also gave us competitive edge. So the thing of being an analyst at one point, it was a little bit more uh, close circle, but I think right now it is actually quite important for us to share information with as many people as possible. And this is why I'm quite passionate about this purpose of mine to share information to the people that are information deprived so that they know what to do with information and what steps to take. If you had missed uh, a, a podcast number two, don't stress. In podcast number two, I'm just going to do a high level. We've spoken about a few things that you could put under your belt to make sure that you can actually go into the route of data science or data analysis. Anything else that had to do with data, especially on an analysis space, we've spoken about the following. We've spoken about the math fundamentals, making sure that at least you have some level of math and math fundamental on your side. Calculus, linear algebra, you name them. You remember that thing in high school somewhere? Those things are still quite vital today. The second one is learning how to program. Learning how to program has become even much more easier uh, today. I thought that when I was learning Visual Basic, it was actually the easiest language ever. That's what I was told. You remember if you, you did Visual Basic, you remember that first code that you do saying hello world and you click a button and hello world comes back to your face. Right now you can actually do coding. 
so easily. I'm not even talking about some AI tools that are out there. Just a normal computer has simplified how you code. You, you get so much toolkits that actually help you learn and become even much more efficient. Very, very easy to do. The third thing that we've spoken about is your ability to do data wrangling and some data visualization. This comes in very handy, especially if you are given a senior role in a project and you don't have somebody else to actually do the data cleanup for your data, data transformation. You knowing exactly what steps to take once you get the data so that you can do the data story and visualize that story for your audience so that they know what type of data came through, what did it look like, what steps did you take, and what did you do until you get to ground zero before you start with your analysis. And that story is quite important, and most of us, we ignore that. It's only then when we're like, no, but why are we talking about 100,000 records? We had given you 5 million records. Then we go, ah, oh, but we, we deduped. That's the last word that we like, we deduped, meaning that we took out duplicates. But the problem is you've never started a data story from the beginning to say, this is the data story. We had 5, 000, 5 million records, but this much didn't qualify. This many were duplicate. This many um, didn't have any primary or foreign key, and therefore were chucked out. And we're starting with 100,000 records before with our analysis. Fourth thing that we're talking about is if you've done first year somewhere, the basics of stats, especially probability, it hit me like, you know, a sore thumb, um, hit me very, very hard in my face when I did my thesis. You know, my, those stats thing that I never took seriously, they came back to bite me because it was actually required for me to know what to do. The best thing that we're talking about when you're talking about stats and probability is just starting with descriptive statistics, just to say, what does your data look like? You interviewed 17 people. What do they look like? How many are males? How many are, um, how many are males? How many are females? How many are uh, whatever uh, transgender type of thing? What's the age gap? What's the average? What's the maximum age? What's the minimum age? What's the medium? What's the mode? All of those things are just descriptive statistics. Before you start touching your data, yes, you might have cleaned up the data, but before you touch the data, you need to give out just descriptive statistics to say, just overview. This is what we're talking about. Before you start to say, therefore, these people can actually start to buy product A, product B, or product C. That is still quite important today. Number five, we're talking about understanding database, database understanding. And on episode two, we've spoken about making use of Excel and upgrading to Microsoft Access. And then from Microsoft Access, you can go to Microsoft SQL if you love Microsoft product, or you can go to MySQL and other online tools that allow you to actually code on the web uh, browser itself. So you don't have to download anything else on your PC. That's how beautiful technology has evolved. Number six, we spoke about learning machine learning. Machine learning will help you understand some tasks that could be automated, that the computer could actually learn. The first thing that I talk up, spoken about that I love so much is clustering, especially if you have live data that's coming through like tweets, for instance. You have live tweets that are coming through and you want to do sentimental analysis on them. You could actually bring it in and then the, the machine learning can help you to cluster by sentiments. You can just say, can you give me 10 sentiments that are, uh, people are tweeting about from this province, from this area, from this country, from this city? And then it can actually tell you right now as we're talking about the biggest people, uh, biggest sentiment that people are talking about, not hashtags, but sentiment, because hashtags you can actually query using uh, SQL. But the sentimental analysis, you need 
machine learning to actually know how you can push that. I know it's borderline to, to big data, but whoa, 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 let's not get there as yet because I'm continuing the list right now. And we're starting with number seven that talks about what can you do to actually push forward. And number seven says finding ways to practice. Find ways to go out there and practice what you, what you have learned. I know the easiest way and the most everybody else online is telling you, go find sample data and work with it. My, fav my favorite uh, sample data is going into the World Bank. They got all this data. They got inflation. They got countries, GDPs. They got imports, exports, you name it. They got databases for days. You can just download one and get it there. But my only worry is this. When I did self-study, I really battled, battled to get that momentum going. And I really battled to actually find out which one is important and which one is not. And in so doing, I don't like self-paced study at all. This is why I got so many degrees, because I would go out there and I would prefer somebody pinching me to say, you have an assignment due. So that will allow me actually to actually learn as fast as possible. But in this case, what I used to do at work that I can give it to you it's a brilliant example is to go to the highest person, an exec, whoever your manager, senior manager, and commit yourself to a project that you, got, you don't know nothing about. And in that way, it will force you to actually study and learn as much as possible. Even over the weekends, you will be pushing yourself to the limit, especially if you know it's a high stake project that maybe the CTO is looking at it or one of the chief data uh, manager is looking at it and is quite important you will do everything else to make sure that you get yourself out there yes it wouldn't come with the big certificate that says the summer has completed this but you will have invaluable knowledge if you do it right you're already putting yourself in good stead with the seniors if you're doing it wrong guess what they forgive you if you come over and you are masquerading seeing yourself as an expert and only to deliver mediocre products, of course, we will, 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 will shout at you. But if you come forward and you say, I have no idea what's happening, but can I be part of that project? And you deliver good results, even if they are mediocre, we will still give you a standing innovation. So finding ways to practice, go straight into it, ask for day, uh, practicing on projects that are way above your skills level. And in doing that, you'll be able to actually get yourself out there. Number, number eight, it's actually learning big data. Um, I spoke about it a little bit when I talked about machine learning, because as far as I'm concerned, machine learning and big data are like brothers and sisters. They are siblings, because as much as you are learning what the computer could be doing to help you with machine learning, it is important for you to know, especially once you graduate to data that you cannot physically see, hence called big data, you need to know what's the behavior of data, what's the best way of handling big data, and how best way to get machine learning to work hand in hand with big data algorithm or big data stuff to make sure that you, you, you get the best of what, whatever you're looking for. Going back to sentimental analysis, it can work both for machine learning as far as I'm concerned and big data as far as I'm concerned. You can make use of, you know, right now we have tools, I think it's called Hadoop. So for those who don't, who are quite new in this, you, with your simple uh, databases that you can see the records, that's where you get your Excel. And then when you get over a thousand or over a million records, rows, 
Now you take it to a SQL database. And then when it gets to a couple of millions of rows, now your database becomes extremely slow. Now you're taking it to another place called Hadoop. This is where your big data is getting stored. So this is where you are dealing with millions and millions of rows. So Hadoops, you, even though you still write more or less the same as a SQL script, but it's optimized to run data that is so big and bring you results instantly. So when we're going back to that sentimental analysis, Hadoop's algorithm could actually quite help you to maybe get the sentiment of live data that's coming through, which is the tweets that are coming through. But if you get to machine learning, you can actually tell it to say, once you get this sentiment, start to send this promotion. Once you get this sentiment, start alerting the people to, you know, start thinking about, you know, another um, budgeting plan that we never thought about. Start bringing all of those uh, possibilities. That's how I say, sometimes for me, big data and machine learning go hand in hand. And I saw this when I did my honors um, in big data because it was also one of my modules. Although I ran away from machine learning, which was called optimization, I'm glad I actually stayed around for big data. But, you know, we'll speak about what did I learn about on this um, uh, data science side of things, which actually quite opened up my mind. Um, but we speak about that one a little bit. Number nine is you finding a job, get a job. Getting a job helps you, especially remember when I spoke about get, um, get a project where you can actually commit yourself and it's above for people that are above you so that you can you know get all of those. If you are doing that and you don't have a job and you're just freelancing and you're just doing your thing on the corner of the side, you'll be missing out on valuable input that you, you could solve. In my opinion, it's much better to uh, go out there. There's a lot of website that we can do um, and you register yourself so that people that actually need a person who can analyze data can actually come to you to say, hang on a second, can you help us with this? It's, it's, it's nice that you know some of us, we can have beautiful income statement and balance sheet and cash flow statement that are even better than Pastel or what is it called Sage now? way better than those and we are running all of those things in excel but if nobody knows about those things i mean they become pointless but if you can just take a step forward to say hang on a second i'm going to register in this website be gumtree be fiverr be any other website put your services out there and you say i'm i'm experimenting with data my hourly rate is this much come to me let me know i'll help you with vlookups and they come over they help you with vlookups and that will help you you know, with start getting or giving out good value to other people. The 10th things is you learning advanced concept. This is quite important because for me last year in 2022, I started, you know, thinking about, I missed out on a lot of data science stuff. Let me just see what it looks like. And having background in, in finance, first thing that I did is to go into the corporate finance institute, of course, because I'm financed like that. And when I get there, I found this website of this course called BIDA, the business intelligence, um, it's called Business Intelligence and Data Analysis Certificate. Very, very beautiful um, qualifications to have. When I went through itself, I was so, my mind was just so opened up to say, I remember these things. I know these things about data science, but it, it quite, you know, opened up how I even saw things that I was dealing with. Although I was not doing data science, I was just doing data analysis at work, but it actually 
brought something quite important. Hence why number 10 is quite important that you go out, find advanced concepts, and keep on learning on them. You know, that ability or that eagerness to keep on going and learning better than you could ever thought of, you know, start learning, being hungry, it goes hand in hand with this one. It doesn't mean that because you are not a data scientist, you should not be researching things about data scientists. Just because you are not a machine learning expert or artificial intelligence person, you should not be learning about that. Just because you are not employed as a robotics coordinator or programmer, you should not be learning about robotics. Learning about things that are related to your field, but that are not just your field, could actually enhance the field itself, your work itself. Other people argue that even things that are totally outside, you know, learning philosophy can actually bring much more value to your work. I think my, my exec differed a little bit because he was always like, we should be learning things that are within our field. So I know for you to get a thumbs up, from my experience over to, almost 20 decades in the bank, it's quite easy for you to find something that is closer to your field, even though it's not directly related to what you are doing, but very, very close. Robotics, uh, programming, data science, anything else that's very close to it. And you can work on that. And that will give you, you know, the heads up. Just in conclusion from my side, uh, there are various reasons why anybody like myself or yourself could like to pursue a career in data. And I love that if you want to, I support you 100%. Uh, I once shared an article that was written earlier on in January 2010 by Business Tech that still says, it looks like we are running short of analysts, be credit managers, be data scientists, be normal data analysts. We as South Africa are running short of those people. And we need as many people as possible as we can get our hands on to be in this field. So if you are pursuing your career in data analysis, you are, I think you are in a good state. And a nice part about it is people just realize that you can actually semi-create if you are working within data itself. You don't have to leave your job or you don't have to leave your comfortable environment or your home, but you can actually you know, work even abroad if you want to. You can apply for jobs that are from different countries or jobs that are far away from your current location because tech actually has helped us out. And COVID-19, as horrible as it had been for all of our budgets, but it has actually opened up lots of ways for us to start integrating. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination of the two. Sometimes it could be a push where you are forced into data because your job just got crushed or you have been told that you don't need financial officers anymore. We're looking for somebody else who can also analyze and do you know, financial analysis or financial intelligence, like in my case. So you could be pushed into data. Sometimes you could be pulled into data like I, I did. When I, when I was back in 2009, I was actually quite interested to say, hang on a second, I see the debits and credits. I want to be pulled into data. Either way, I think being in data or data analysis, to be precise, is actually a good option that we can look at. It started with the need to learn more on my side and my hunger for a challenge. And now it ended up you know, with me having a very, very good career in data. And not just the hunger, but I've started adding to business and I've, I've created quite nice things that were valuable to business, even in some positions that I, sp I spent very, very short time in them. But the output you could see was there because of my understanding of, of what uh, data analysis looks like. Um, this whole thing allowed me to keep on getting job referrals even today as the executive or heads of department would know that that guy 
even though he's not a data scientist himself. He understands data much better. And the competitive advantage that I had over most of the data analysts is I was able to understand data and be able to go to the boardroom and talk to execs about what do I know in the way that they would understand it because sometimes it, it's, it's a different skill. But I was able to do that and it has been mostly my competitive advantage. Data analysts, uh, data scientists, you can, you can say, you, you can name them all. Most of them are not invited in XCO meetings, are not invited in BRICSCO meetings. But I was just there, even though sometimes it looks like it was just an admin role. But I was just there, and that allowed me to be even more smarter. And I'm just giving it to you. If you are adding in, what if you are starting a new career in data, please consider what will be your selling proposition, what will get people to come to you and not the person who sits next to you, or what will make you stand out. If that is their ability to combine marketing with data analysis so that you know exactly what is the spend per whatever is being put out there, then that is your selling proposition. Another one is in, in the healthcare space. You can actually make a huge movement in the healthcare space because a lot of us have actually went into the financial space. And as much as we're thinking that it could be full soon, I'm still saying there's a lot of room for a lot of people to go into the financial space because most of us are still don't understand the financial space itself. So the, the possibilities of being in data are quite huge. So please don't waste time. You can start joining immediately right now as you feel like. Thanks, guys, for listening to episode number three. Uh, we'll be going again with episode number four very, very soon. Tomorrow, we'll be uploading episode number four. And in there, I'll be talking about what did I learn when I started taking my route to data science. It's simple things. I'm going to break them down simply so that we can easily understand them. So see you again tomorrow or for episode number four.